You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome into the Inside Carolina Podcast on the Beat Live. It is Tuesday. It is about 9.01 p.m. on the East Coast. Adam Smith, Ross Martin, and producer John Bowman here. Guys, it's been a busy uh, – there is no off-season, but now we're in-season, and I know it's a hectic time. Ross, let, let me get straight into you here. Um, y'all talked to the players this afternoon later, and I hadn't had an opportunity to read them, but I did note your DeAndre Boykins note on the boards. Tell us a little bit about that, and it uh, seems like that's caused a little bit of consternation on the Tar Pit Premium Message Board. <clears throat> Yeah, I mean, I think he's going to be okay. That's what he told us. But he had a hard cast on his uh, right wrist. That's DeAndre Boykins, the, the corner, cornerback, nickelback, star position. Pretty key defensive player for UNC. Played great against Florida A&M. And you look at maybe his injury combined with the questions surrounding Tony Grimes, who missed the most of the Florida A&M game after, uh, I mean, knocking heads. It was pretty clear what happened there. And then, uh, you know, Josh Downs, I think he's still questionable as well. Definitely was questionable um, Monday. Um, you know, who knows if, if he's going to be available. You would think that he can get to where he can play, but uh, he's definitely not 100% right now as we sit here on Tuesday night. So there's some uh, issues in the secondary. And then, you know, if Josh Downs is not 100%, that's your best player on offense right there. Uh, Adam, Ross bringing the injury news. Uh, Mac mentioned being banged up coming out of that game. You know, that's the worst possible scenario is to be banged up in a game like that on Monday. But it sort of makes it intriguing. It sounds like Vegas, when they flip that line there at the end uh, just recently, they they tend to know what's going on, right? The line, the line from what I've seen, and I am certainly not a Vegas insider, but it's moved all over the place. Ross and I were talking about it the other day on Monday. I think what it, it was – uh, Carolina as a three-point favorite uh, originally, and then it moved to App maybe being a one-point favorite. I think I saw today that Carolina was back to being a one-point favorite. I don't know if I saw that wrong or I think I saw it on ESPN. But um, I wanted to shout out Ross because of what you brought up, the uh, DeAndre Boykins, um, the visual. I mean, he had his, uh, he had his head on a swivel, and um, he saw that. Now, I think it would be important to note on the, on the cast it's not like a massive thing that you would see in like elementary school that you would sign your name on. It was small. I would say it, it was small is accurate when you say Ross. I mean, it was just on his yeah, wrist. Yeah. It was, it was a hard cast, but it was, it was not his arm. It was his wrist. So it was about to right here. Um, yeah. If so, you, yeah. you could mistake it for like some major Alonzo morning, like sweatband action, you know what I'm saying? Like uh, <laughs> it, 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 
wasn't something huge, but it was a it was a good um, good good notice by Ross. It was like the other night after the the FAMU opener when we noticed Josh Downs with the uh, ice pack on his left knee. Um, so yeah, but I wanted to shout out Ross. Also, if you guys don't mind, real quick, I'd like to shout out two of our most loyal listeners the last couple of weeks, and that would be uh, my son Sam and uh, his friend Jalen. So shout out Sam and shout out Jalen, both of Hallfields Middle School in Mebane. So just thanks for letting me get that in real quick. Hey, no, we, we love it. Uh, do they give you grief like mine do when they're watching this stuff? I mean. They have yet to get up the courage to, to comment on the side over here, but they like to get on. Um, they're both very online, and uh, they're, uh, they're new fans of the show. Before we get too deep into it, let me ask you, Adam, about your first uh, Bowls Lot experience. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if Chacos brought the monsoon with him or what happened, but it did seem to arrive when he got there and then stop when he left. But what would you think about the Bowles Lot action? Should we call him the Rainmaker from now on? Uh, he should have brought some money. <laughs> um, it was enjoyable. I mean, I I am super lucky to be a part of the IC crew these days. I mean, I mean, really, I really am. I was enjoying being over at basketball, um, the basketball scrimmage they were having. That was a lot of fun, and – and, you know, B-Dot's running the show over there. That was enjoyable. You get over there with you and Joey for the radio show. You got Buck there hanging out. You got a lot of the guys that work behind the scenes that I don't I don't quite know, but I'm getting to know them, and everybody seems great. We were at the perfect place for when it started pouring down rain under the under the tent to protect us. And um, everybody's just been so welcoming. I had a, had a great time at the Bowls lot, um, and uh, I think everybody else did too for the most part. Yeah, if you didn't check us out, be down in Bowles Lot uh, three hours before every home game. Uh, the Geo Bernard autographed football was a thing. Ross, you were down there, but we couldn't get you in the tent. Um, you were partaking um, close by. Uh, a fun time, though, a perfect, a fer- perfect setting down there. And then, of course, we got Garrison Brooks and B-Rob came by, I think, after y'all left. But anyway, what would you think, Ross? It Was it a successful first week of action going into that Florida A&M game? Uh, yeah, yeah. Beating Florida A&M. I mean, I think takeaways from this game is, is the, and you know, impression of, uh, what Drake may did. I mean, he looks awesome. And I think that ease a lot of nerves, um, for, for fans about the questions at quarterback. I mean, that was a question I had a very important position. So to, to, to see Drake may, how I performed, look, I know it's just Florida A&M and it's easy to get really excited about him, but he looked good. He looked smooth, he looked poised. So that's the major takeaway. Obviously, Amarion Hampton. <clears throat> we'll get into him, of course. Um, but the, the offense clicked, man. And if you listen to um, the day after with you, Tommy, and Buck and Jason, or the Letterman show with Vipolis, or my show with Jeff Schottmer, I mean, the the, the offensive play calling, the play of Drake, and the play of Marion Hampton, and Josh Downs, for that matter, or just the major takeaways from offense. I feel like I've talked about it so many times already. Um but that is reassuring, and it's good to have that one game underneath the belt. I think there's some conversation and a discussion point of the importance of a Week Zero game versus what App State's doing and what most teams are obviously doing is not having any film going into that that bigger game at Labor Day weekend. And that's a pretty interesting storyline. We asked the players about that today. And I think, you no know, defense, there's certainly some question marks on certain areas. Um, but uh, I think there's still a lot of potential there and a lot to talk about in terms of whether we're overreacting to to the secondary issues, the defensive line issues, or or just kind of slow down and, and see how things work out in a couple more games. 
where are we, Adam? Here with the and Ross, get back in too. Where are we with the with the reaction of the defense? I mean, Chiswick said it's not just the secondary; it's all a, a thing. Uh, if teams are going quick game, you like EJ Wilson said, you got to get your hands up and all. But is it an overreaction? I thought Musa was a very good quarterback. Uh, he's probably going to be as mm-hmm. good as maybe probably middle of the road quarterback that Carolina will see this year. Um, maybe upper middle of the road, but this reaction that we've seen about the defense, is, is it fair? And I'm not minimizing it because they look bad at times, but should it be a such a worry now? Or like Ross said, do we need to wait for App and then maybe Georgia State to come along to, to solidify some fears if there are any? No, absolutely. Freak out now. Go outside and just burn the <laughs> neighborhood down. Uh, no, I mean, it, it is fair. Uh, it's not unfair, but it also is one game. And, um, you know, I think it's a little bit of both to not answer the question. But, you know, what Ross and I, the rest of us, the some of the assorted media got to talk to some of the guys today. We're talking to Ravo Hasek. And what did he say, Ross? He said, I feel like there's a lot of room on the table to grow. There's a lot left on the table, um, you know, for us to grow into as a defense. And yeah. And, you know, Mac made the point uh, Monday that the quick passing game of, of uh, Florida A&M was effective against UNC. Um, you know, he felt Mac and Gene Chizik felt like uh, the Rattlers did that, you know, to try to minimize UNC's pass rush as best they could. And I think, you know, the, the secondary was exposed some. I don't think that's unfair to say. Yeah, and an interesting there, thing there, too, is, is to build on what Ross was saying earlier. So in the secondary, DeAndre Boykins was probably the biggest standout. He led the team in PFF's tackling grade, and he also played the most snaps of any Tar Heel on Saturday. He, he played 68. So I think that does become a, a big question mark, the secondary heading into this massive game week two, not really understanding what the injury status is. Even the players who played the most snaps on, on Saturday and who were coming into the season going to be counted on as starters DeAndre Boykins and Tony Grimes. We don't know what their status is for Saturday. I think it's an important point to make and and playing off what you're saying there, John, is Tony Grimes goes out on the eighth – Tony Grimes played eight plays. And he goes out on the second series for Florida A&M. He plays eight plays. And then suddenly you're left with Storm Duck, uh, who we know his long and winding injury history, Dante Balfour at corner. You know, Dante Balfour is a redshirt freshman. They're high on him, but you know, you're you're reduced at corner almost immediately out of the out of the box there. And then you have a guy like DeAndre Boykins who played 68 snaps, and the coaches, you know, have been really high on him um, since the opener. So you got a new scheme on defense. You have a new new a guy calling plays in Gene Chizik for the first time in five years, and you lose one of your most talented defensive players eight plays in eight, eight plays into the game. So, you know, there were some things, there was the proverbial adversity there that happened that you might not be expecting to happen. And that could have led to some of the issues back there. Maybe. Ross, is that adversity good for this team? Do you think? Cause I mean, we, we stressed about uh, the offense and the offense showed that it ain't about us, at least not in game one. Um, but the defense was supposed to be that thing. Did the, did the defense need popping in the mouth a little bit? Maybe is yeah, that a good thing? I think uh, I think obviously when you when you see some mistakes on tape, they're they're great to fix. You learn more from kind of winning the game, but but maybe not playing as well. You can still you can coach them hard. I guess is the way I think. 
think Mac always said you can coach them harder after a win, or maybe Hubert or, or Roy Williams said that. But you know, they looked a lot of tape, and it sounds like they had a little tough conversation with Charlton Warren. Uh, I know Boykin said that. Maybe Geo Biggers. We talked to them today. That there was a little look in the mirror for the secondary. That there's no time to. You know, this is this is it. Like this is lock in time. So they saw what they did wrong. There's some not necessarily schematic issues, but how you play in the scheme. If you listen to Jeff Schottmer on our uh, calling the shots, we talked about that kind of how you handle the zones we're playing, UNC's playing, how you defend at the top of a route by a quarterback, those kind of things. And then, you know, it needs to be more pressure on the quarterback, and that comes with defensive linemen doing their job, uh, getting pressure with four guys or, or, or get to the quarterback when you do blitz. But, yeah, I think the secondary is just letting too many wide receivers run free. And so they'll see that, they'll fix that, and they know that App State saw that too. So the weaknesses they showed on defense – are going to be exploited, especially a guy like Marcus Allen or Dante Balfour, come the more, some of the more inexperienced cornerbacks um, that will, will play if Grimes can't go. Um, so I'll be interested to see. I, John, do you want to bring up that question about uh, uh, Cavazos and Dede? Yeah, there's a yeah. lot of questions right now about who is available. I don't know what you all know, but can you speak to maybe who can or can't play this weekend from what you know? Yeah. Yeah, so Dede's been passed. Dede's been passed the depth chart by Balfour and Marcus Marcus Allen. That's clear. So the fact that he didn't play much against uh, Florida A and M and sources, you know, he's third team right now. So um, he's on special been, teams, right? He's a special I'm, teamer right now, isn't? He? I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't have, yeah, I don't have the special teams like depth chart and snap count right in front of me right now, Adam. But Day uh, Day, yeah, he's a solid player. I, I mean, he's had good moments at UNC, but he's been passed the depth chart by Marcus Allen, Dante Balfour. And then Cavazos, I believe, should play. Don't take it to the bank. But um, he his injury is not crazy serious. It's more like a lingering thing. Um, so the hope and the need for UNC is that he can play because I think he is that number three corner after Duck and Grimes. He'd be the guy. So they do need him. And this is a big enough game where I think, like, you know, if you do have that lingering issue, kind of push through it if you're, you know, close to 90 100%. Let, let me say a guy, and I know everybody here loves talking about him and is fascinating to watch him. Power Echoes gets it. And Chiswick talked about him. Uh, Mac talked about him. I, I haven't listened to the players, but, I mean, it's pretty obvious that that guy's different, Adam. And when you watch a guy like him play, you got to think that it rubs off on everybody. Um, I mean, he's just ridiculous. There's one play that I don't even talk about. He blew up. Um, like a back that was back there. It didn't end up in the play, but just destroyed somebody back there blocking. I mean, this kid is a guy you can build a defense around, and he's virtually a redshirt freshman um, snap-wise. He plays hard. I mean, he plays what, – what, what has the UNC coaching staff been talking about since uh, the spring? He plays hard, you know, and he's passionate too. It really – means something to him. When we talked to him after the game, which was – it was pushing 1 a.m. when we talked to him after the game. But, uh, you know, he said he felt like he'd been in a fight because Cedric Gray had made the comment that he thought that they started on defense a little flat. And so we sort of asked Power about that too, you know, his his cohort there at middle linebacker. Like, you know, Ced came in and mentioned that he felt like you guys were going a little flat, getting off a little flat, and Power said – well, I don't think, you know, as many plays were going to his side. They were coming to my side, and it didn't seem flat to me. I felt like I was in a fight from the start. Um, but, yeah, Power Eccles, I mean, he looks like a guy that you can just pencil in there 
And, uh, I mean, they put a lot of snaps on him the other night. Put a lot of snaps on him and Cedric Gray the other night. I don't think Ra Ra and Sebastian Cheeks really played a ton of snaps. Um, uh, yeah, Powers is stud, man. It's And UNC fans have to be pumped. <clears throat> Excuse me. He's your, he's your starting middle linebacker for the next uh, three, four right. years, I guess three years. Um, and he is incredible. He's a great personality, great team leader. Um, you know, he's the kind of guy you want to represent UNC football, and he's good. He showed that. He didn't miss many tackles. When he, when he did blitz, he got to the quarterback, which is key. And it sounds like he is a leader back there. Um, undersized, you know, six feet, 5'11", but, man, tough, gritty, and he showed that in the first game. So, um, UNC fans should be, you know, kind of another Jeremiah Gimmel with maybe a little bit more athleticism. And yeah, he I was produces say, too, Ross, when you're talking about being tough and gritty. I mean, the guy produce, you know, you can be those things. He gets out there and produces, you know, he makes the tackles. Yeah. He gets back there and disrupts things. Yeah, Nine that's what tackles, I was going to say, too. Yeah, along those same lines, like UNC hasn't had a linebacker who can go in the backfield and make those tackles for loss consistently, cover both sides of the field. I think there's a difference between, like, the linebacker who makes tackles that kind of shift through the, the defensive line, kind of cleaning up the mess. And then there's linebackers who are really attacking and, you know, knifing into the backfield. He did a really good job on his pass rush snaps as well. So I think UNC just really hasn't had a, a player like Power Eccles at linebacker, and that's really exciting to see. We thought, Ross and I thought, uh, on the on the fumble that, that uh, Kamian Rucker actually, I think, poked out of there. We thought just watching it live that Power got it because he's around the ball so much. You know, where's that arm sleeve? And we saw his arm in there. Uh, beating on Jeremy Musa, who, by the way, when we were talking about UNC's coverage issues, I think Musa played well the other night. I mean, he he completed some passes that were in some very tight windows. The touchdown pass to A.J. Davis, the running back on the wheel route, where he had Chris Collins, UNC linebacker, on him. He dropped that thing in a tight little spot. Uh, you know, he you know his guy has been around. He's a California kid. He went to Vanderbilt. He transferred to Florida A&M to try to play. And, you know, he's he looks like he's going to, uh, you know <laughs> – have that quarterback job sewed up, even though Florida A&M returned a, a starter there. But yeah. you know, he completed some tough balls. But John, anyway. you forget about you forget about Chaz Surratt, John. UNC had a, a two-time first-team All ACC quarterback or linebacker. That's true. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Chaz Surratt just got released by the Vikings. I think I saw. But but the thing about Surratt though is he wasn't really a linebacker. Power Echoes was like born as one and sure. named to be one with the first name Power. <laughs> Uh, something I was going to to mention, um, and I thought it was fascinating discussion when they were talking about schemes make players a little bit. And I guess it was Longo or, or maybe it was Chiswick. It was Chiswick that said, you know, Musa went to Vanderbilt, Vanderbilt and did nothing. And then he comes to Florida A&M. He plays in a scheme that works for him, and he looked pretty good. Flipping over to the – well, no, let's stay here. And, and then, Ross, I want you to get into the reads. But who on the defensive line – popped for you guys ross i'll start with you uh, i mean, yeah, I mean it's tough it was it was tough to pick one out for me cayman rucker oh um, yeah yeah i thought he was always the guy yeah i thought he was powerful and we always kind of forget about him because des evans and him play the same position they usually are both down the field at the same time the other power ends but man he is a he's tough he's powerful he gets in there and he, he seems to be pretty productive now he's still pretty young too and hasn't played a lot of snaps but Cameron Rucker, and the thing is, man, he just needs to play more and more and more. I mean, I'm not sure how many times Des Evans' name was called. Um, and, you know, we forget about the interior linemen are getting double teamed. They're stuck in the middle. They can be really, really good players but not kind of have the stats um, like a Ray Bahasic or a Miles Murphy or Javari Ritzy. But I'd go with uh, 
Ruck the Butcher. What you got, Adam? You can't pick Rucker. And I think that's a great answer by Ross. And with with Cayman Rucker, like, you know, he sort of is – he sort of has that uh, sixth man off the bench mode in basketball. You know, you just bring him in there, turn him loose to rush the passer, and he seems to deliver uh, in that role. But um, to answer your question, Tommy, you know, uh, Ravo Hasek and Miles Murphy both graded out well on the, the PFS focus grades. Um, that, that Greg Barnes puts together. And it, th- those are interesting to read because we all watch the game. And as Ross mentioned, you know, some of those interior guys can sort of just get lost when you're watching the ball and you're trying to see who's getting back there. And they're just in there just, you know, plugging holes and taking on blockers and stuff. But PFF had Ray uh, Vohasic and Miles Murphy graded uh, pretty highly. And, um, you know, I guess I would pick those two. I, yeah, I didn't hear Dez. I was going to look and see how many tackles they credited him with because I have the stats here, but I didn't hear Dez Evans' name much. He started, you know, as somebody we're looking for to, to you know, have a big year. He is on here for two tackles. He's, he had two tackles. Um, but, yeah. So, I mean, I guess I would say Miles Murphy and, and Ravo Hasek. I, I mean, Javari Ritzy played several different positions. They rolled him through – I believe they rolled him through nose and three technique. We saw him moving up and down the line a little bit. Um, so I still think, still think that line can be capable of some nice performances. It's yeah. interesting. You talk about the size on the defensive line and they always talk about it, but the two most productive guys on the defense are both two un- undersized guys. Preston from Greensboro said it in the chat, but I was thinking that Rucker and power are both undersized for their positions and they're the ones producing. Go ahead, John. Yeah. For me, who stood out on the defensive line was, was Travis Shaw. He only played seven snaps. But my dad and I sit in the end zone. There's just a width to Travis Shaw that you just can't really describe. And I hadn't seen it until this game. But he's just about one and a half times as big as every other defensive lineman. And, I mean, that has to matter. That single digit, too. Yeah. It just just doesn't make sense. It's like an optical illusion watching him on the defensive line because he's just just so big. And, And watching him move, too, he's very quick. He's one of those guys I think it's going to be very hard for him to, uh, you know, not just run into some tackles and just absolutely flatten some people. So he stood out to me. It was very exciting to watch Travis Shaw. Wanting to flip to the offensive side of the ball, but Ross, I nominate you for the Johnny T-shirt and the Blue Shark. Look, man, Blue Shark. Yeah, we're doing back-to-back? Awesome, yeah. We'll do uh, Johnny T-shirt, johnnytshirt.com, your one-stop shop for everything you need. Man, heading to – Heading to Boone. I know it's not that cold yet, but go to Johnny T-shirt, order a, a shirt, jersey. Be careful wearing Carolina blue up there in the in the high country, <laughs> but but get your Johnny T-shirt, uh, JohnnyT-shirt.com. Remember, all inside Carolina subscribers get ten percent off. So join IC. We're gonna be dropping a pregame scoop on the premium message board with all the injury updates. Those who want to know, Adams will be in there an hour and a half before the game starts. Getting that pregame scoop ready. That's on the premium board. But Johnny T-shirt, JohnnyT-shirt.com, everything you need. Um, am I still live? It froze there for a second. Um, yeah, uh, everything you need, T-shirts, jerseys, sweatshirts, get ready, get set. Johnny T-shirt, JohnnyT-shirt.com. And let's go ahead and talk about Blue Shark Vodka. I brought my bottle from the office. Tommy, which one do you have, Tommy? Oh, we have the same one. Uh, I got the, the, uh, the high dollar one. Yeah, this is the special bottle. Um, I dropped off two bottles, two half gallons of, of, of vodka uh, at tailgates, my, my two favorite tailgates. 
the one that Tommy goes to. I dropped one off for the, the ladies there. Coulter's wife and, um, and Dustin Duke's uh, fiance, Kelsey, and uh, Caitlin. I dropped them off with a half gallon of Blue Shark vodka. Locally made in Wrightsville, Carolina sweet corn, partially owned by Connor Barth, the legendary UNC kicker. It's the smoothest vodka in the world. Blue Shark Vodka, very accessible, um, available in all 100 U.S. counties, uh, U.S. counties, North Carolina counties, um, parts of South Carolina as well. It's got a great price point. It's easy to bring to a tailgate. Um, tastes great. It's easy. Blue Shark Vodka. Check them out on Instagram. We appreciate Connor Barth and Blue Shark Vodka for their support. Bring it to the tailgate. Got five more Saturdays. Lock in Blue Shark Vodka and Johnny T-shirt. Got a uh, national guys pay the bills. We'll be right back on the beat live. It is about 924 on Tuesday evening. It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Back with On The Beat Live, guys, let's talk a little bit about the offense. And, talk, and Ross, before the break, you said five more Saturdays in Bowlesluck because one of them will be uh, – a sixth one will be in Boone this weekend. Let's go to the offense. And I'm starting to think, you know, everybody gives me a hard time about backup quarterback or whatever is your favorite player. And clearly I like somebody from the county I grew up in, uh, in the town that I live in. But Adam Kamari Morales, man. That dude just catches touchdown passes. He's, he. I have a feeling that he's going to be Drake Mays, uh, Josh Downs. So, Drake Mays, Josh Downs uh, version that Sam Howell used all last year. Okay, so we're putting him down for 101 catches and 1,300 yards then, Tommy? That's what you're saying? <laughs> no, security blanket-wise. I, I think I'll say uh, I'll say 50 catches and 750 yards. For Nesbitt. All right. Oh, you said Nesbitt? Nesbitt or, or Morales? I mean, no, 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 no. Morales. Morales. I'm sorry. No, 50 and 500 for Morales. What's happening? I'm not here. Like, okay, Morales. Morales. He's got some nice size. He's got some nice hands. I think he had three games last year where he, he caught a touchdown pass in three straight games um, from Sam Howell. And yeah, I mean, hey, uh, Drake may hit 10 different receivers the other night. So I don't know if we're going to be able to. We make these uh, bold predictions after one game. I mean, he hit ten different guys. I mean, Josh Downs caught nine passes, but what? Yeah, I think he targeted the tight ends ten times, um, and three different guys got involved. Bryson Nesbitt caught a touchdown pass. Granted, he was wide open, but Drake found him. Is the correct read? Kamari Morales caught the first one of Drake May's career, and he had had some pressure. Drake actually, we asked him after the game if he had a favorite throw, and he he said the throw to your boy Morales to get things started because he had some pressure in his face and he was able to get it over two defenders. Uh, and John Copernaver got in the mix. I was joking with Ross 
I believe he tweeted it and did not credit me, which is fine. He's got this very strong Twitter game. Uh, but after the two tight ends caught the touchdowns passes, he said, all right, John Copenhaver is next up because I was running my mouth about that in the press box. But, um, you know, I think I think Drake May is going to get a lot of people involved. Now, as the defenses get stronger, as the opponents get stronger and the venues get tougher to play in like this weekend's, we'll see how it works out. You could be depending on Josh Downs like Sam Howell depended on Josh Downs. Um, but he sure did distribute the ball the other night. I mean, that thing was going all over the place. What do you think, Ross? Over under tight end yards, 800. Dude, I don't know, man. <laughs> I mean, I don't even know the math on that. I mean, look, yeah, they have great tight ends. I think Adam nailed it. I mean, I don't – I'm trying to cover everything. Yeah, I mean, look, it's it's a great add to the offense. It's been a point of, point of, um, of emphasis for Longo, but you got to have the players. Morales has been good now, you know, really good last year. Looks like obviously not much has changed for him. He's going to be good this year. And they really like Bryson Nesbitt. He was recruited kind of as that jumbo athlete, tight end, wide receiver. And if you look at his PFF, they moved him all over. I was looking at it when we were talking to him today. They moved him all over, um, different places. He lined up at a couple of different spots, just great. That can make your offense way more diverse. It, it can challenge safeties and cornerbacks to kind of be confused to who's covering who and you get mismatches with a a six six guy on a six one linebacker a six six guy on a six one safety i mean that's an impact so i think mean, it's all positives and then they like they like copenhaver and he got tons of burn as well dropped a touchdown pass but he had the longest uh in terms of yards longest pass play for drake meg 33 yards which is kind of interesting Drake May did not hit on any deep balls, didn't attempt many deep balls, if any, played within the game plan, took what was given him. Was that designed by Longo to kind of just, you know, get it out quick, let's get some rhythm going here. And then when things were open, he checked down, he hit the, the players in space to give them time to run, didn't force anything, you know, deep or, or make, you know, he made some tough throws, but didn't really force anything. Um, so I think that was, it was a great way to kind of bring him along. But the, obviously the deep ball was a huge part of Sam's game. And look, Drake is not Sam, so um, he's gonna be used differently. And, and you gotta be impressed with with how Longo handled that in Game One against Florida A&M. Yeah, to add on to that. To add on to that, and Ross is preaching, by the way. This guy's dropping all sorts of knowledge. Like I'm just over here nodding because he's locked in. I it's feel like Adam. I feel like Ross you're sitting over there going Hercules, Hercules. Yeah, he's, Hercules, I mean he's great. On. How could you not love the guy? But <laughs> uh, Phil Longo, when we were talking to him on Monday, it seems like a long time ago, but it was yesterday. Um, he did say, as you get into the evaluation of how these guys played, evaluation of how Drake played, that there were some deep shots there that he did not take. Uh, he said that he checked it down uh, on several occasions when maybe a more explosive play was out there over the top or to the sidelines or whatever. So that's something we should keep an eye on. I mean, this is this guy's first start, you know. Um, and I, you know, we try to listen to the coordinators and to Mac, uh, and that was something that perked our ears up a little bit. I think when he said that as well as Drake played, the guy threw five touchdown passes through for 294 yards that he didn't, you know, go for the home run balls that he, he checked some down. So it'll be something to watch going forward. Yeah. I've been keeping a close eye on some stats that actually speak exactly to that. This is from cfbstats.com. UNC led the FBS in week zero in plays of 10 plus yards, but they had zero plays of 50 plus yards and zero plays of 60 plus yards. I'm going to be really interested to watch how that plays out over the course of the season, 
because we know that for the first three seasons with Sam Howell as quarterback, UNC had a very explosive offense. They ranked in the top 10 nationally in plays of 10 plus yards each of the three seasons. But they also had a lot of big plays, 40, 50, 60 yard plays. So Drake May sees the field very well, but I'm still looking for those deep shots. I'm still looking to see that within the offense. And it's interesting that the coordinators made that comment. Maybe that's something that Drake and the offense will seek out more uh, in week two, in week one against App State. But it is very interesting to kind of track that stat because big plays is how this offense sort of made its money the last three seasons for sure. And do we know do we know what kind of deep ball that Drake May throws? I don't think we know. We know that he is athletic to be six five. We know that he's good throwing on the run. They like to move him around. They think he's you know deceptively mobile. But I don't know if we we knew Sam Sam Howell had the home run ball where he could just hit the back foot and load it up and let it go to Deami Brown. Um, you know we'll see. I, yeah, I'm not I guess I get, we don't know yet. We we'll find out at some point. We don't know yet. But um, I mean he's a Five star. I mean, Jason freaking loves him. Has he? Has Jason said anything about his deep ball? We haven't. I haven't seen a game. And look, I'm not watching tape like Jason is of the spring game. So, um, but he has the arm talent. You saw that arm. He, what I like about Drake is he had a lot of off platform throws, a lot of throws with players in his face, a lot of kind of on the move across your body, backing up. You know, without your feet set. Whereas you know, you probably should set your feet. You should, probably should have the good footwork. He was able to make the throws without the stuff that you know the basics you teach to, to make a throw good. So, I mean, that's the, the, the sign of a good kind of quarterback who can make things happen in different scenarios, which I liked about him. Yeah, I, I think he – if my memory serves, he took one shot to J.J. Jones maybe at some point in that game. Yeah, someone said that and, in the chat too. Yeah, and um, I missed that. But then they didn't uh, really go back to it. I think he's good all around. Uh, we'll see this weekend. And so, let's turn it a little bit to App State. And, Adam, I'll come in to you first. I mean – you talked about, you know, a couple of weeks ago, going up the mountain and playing this game. I mean, you know, Ingersoll, Mike Ingersoll says this is Carolina's Virginia Tech game last week. Um, you know, Jeff Schottman with Ross thinks Carolina's got the advantage going up there, having really played that first game, and that's a big deal. Where do you stand here? I mean, I, I think it's a must win for Mac, and, and I don't say that too often. <sighs> that's a joke because I say it all the time. But I think they have to beat – App State in this game for Mac Brown um, to not lose all the wind in the sails. Where are you? I think it's huge. I don't know about Mac, Mac Brown's wind in his sails or his job security or his golf game or anything else. Uh, but I mean, I'm super excited about this. And uh, I got some numbers here for you. Like, one thing I can do is look some things up. Um, you know, it, it, App State, uh, since 2015, is 73 and 19 in college football. That's a pretty good record. Uh, they've gone to six, they've won six bowl games. They won four Sunbelt belt titles. As we know, the UNC football Tar Heels did not win a game on the road last year. That wasn't good. App is 42 and seven at home since 2014. Now, granted, I know they're not playing power five schools up there uh, at the rock um, every week, but I mean, this is a program that knows how to win, that expects to win, that wins. Uh, when they were on the FCS level, they were reeling off national championships with Jerry Moore and Armani Edwards. And since they've moved up to FBS in the Sun Belt, the winning has continued. I mean, they just keep on churning them out. Um, you know, I think it's 10 straight years that they've had an 1,000-yard rusher. Like, I mean, it's pretty sick. Um, 
I, I think I think that's why the line shifted so much. Like they haven't they don't lose at home very often. And UNC sucks on the road in the last mm-hmm. couple of years. Um, I mean, that's just an easy like that means a lot in college football. Like, you know, the you, know, you can measure the the field, it's the same thing, but like that, I think that matters a lot, especially uh, early in the season. So, man, I, I've been the more and more I think about it, the more and more I'm like, dang, I get why, like, I could see UNC losing. Um, but Tommy, you well, you said this is like the most important game or very important. Like, what would happen if UNC loses? I guess, like, what <laughs> when you said when you said like this is a big game for Matt Brown? Like, what what do you mean? Like, what's the impact of this? I mean, I think it's a great question. Not to like. Uh- Get anyone uh, if they lose type talk. Yeah, I mean, obviously the season will go on, but have you seen the message boards? After yeah, I, mean, I'm very, they, I want your opinion. I know I'm very aware of what it would mean. My, my, in my opinion, um, everything that they've discussed would go out the window. They, they, all of this, you know, they're going to contend for national championships. They're going to do this. They're going to do that. They're going to win. They're bringing in all this talent, and then you go up and you lose app, and you go to. Two oh and two against App in your three years there. I just think it makes it very difficult for the talk, mm-hmm. for people to understand that the talk is is a real thing. You know, it, it, yeah. If they lose this game, the only way you make it right is if they go nine and three, ten and two. You lose this game, and you go seven and five, and then maybe you don't beat State at the end of the season. Then I think, and no, that. Mac Brown is never going to be on the hot seat, but I think you're going to have the natives beyond restless. And I just don't know if you're recovering. I don't, I don't know. I, yeah, I mean, I agree with I agree with everything you said there. Um, you, the talent different. I mean, the, the four and five stars, they're, they're loaded now. Those guys are, are retro sophomores, juniors, even some seniors. And you're going into App State, which, dude, they have a lot of, of veterans, but the talent differential from a recruiting standpoint is just not there. So, yeah, you can't go up there and lose again after losing at home 2019. Yeah, I mean, you kind of nailed it. I don't know. I can't really add much to that. But, yeah, it's like kind of a joke if you're thinking about, yeah, we're going to win the state. We're going to compete for AC titles. Well, you can't even beat App State in your backyard who's not in Power 5. That's where it becomes an issue. And App's favored right now, and that's kind of wild. I think it's just wild that App's favored. Adam, you got to take John Adam on that? Uh, Carolina's going to win the game. That's my take. They're going to win the game 34-31. That's what I've got. Uh, Also, I had meant to say it earlier, John's USFL shirt is awesome. I love it. Um, But this is going to be – I just think this is going to be so much fun. And I think we're going to really learn a lot about this UNC team, this young and uh, inexperienced team on offense, this revamped defense. I think it's going to be an absolute – uh, electric scene up there. Can you imagine what this scene is going to be like? I mean, the things the game's been sold out since July, Ross. They sold the game out in July. I mean, uh, they've had some good crowds up there. They've had some Halloween games that have gotten nutty on ESPN. Something caught fire one time. I don't know if y'all remember that. <laughs> they had a Halloween game, and like the school library was on fire. Um, you know, it's going to be it's going to be great. I have been fortunate enough to cover a lot of games up there, and. I got out for an Elon App State game, parked in the lot well, one year up there, got out of my car, and literally the first person I saw was the chancellor of Appalachian State carrying the FCS National Championship uh, trophy just around the parking lot. That's the first person I saw. Um, but Carolina's going to win the game 34-31. We're going to see uh, Noah Burnett 
make a couple pressure field goals with like 40,000 people hanging off the mountain up there. And um, Carolina's going to go to Georgia State 2-0. and uh, And uh, that's what's going to happen. Ooh. I – I, I I hold the position of being the only one to select App State among Inside Carolina's panel of experts. So I feel like as that person, I have to represent some of the contrarian point of view here. Maybe what we're missing in this conversation as well is that App State is a really good football team. They are ranking really well in the all the advanced stats that you look at, the S&P plus, uh, F&P. Friend of the program, Lee Pace, had a good tweet today as well. He mm-hmm. said, 21 App State players who are fifth or sixth-year guys. I think that's really, you know, that says something. We've talked a lot about how, you know, there's a difference between uh, a Spencer Rowland, who's a fifth-year senior, and a Zach Rice, who's an 18-year-old. You know, App State is a team full of grown men. And to put so much on this game in terms of stakes of the program, it's, it's, it's a lot because this is a very good App State team. So there's a lot of context that's lost there if you just say this is a must win and it's sort of a, uh, a, a thumbs up or thumbs down on, on Mac Brown's football program on a whole. I don't disagree there, and that's why in 2019 I don't think it was that big a deal that Carolina lost to them. Carolina stunk the two seasons before that. Granted, they had Sam Howell in 2019, so that was different. But And App State had those defensive ends that were just – wearing Carolina's offensive line out. But do I think Carolina wins this game? Yes, I do. I, I just think they can't afford to lose it. And for the reasons I've already said, and, and, and Ross, you nod, you agree with me there. It's just one of those things that if you're going to do all these things you say you're going to do, you can't lose this game. You know, state game notwithstanding, that was a miracle for state. You go up to App State and you come back with an L – it's just tough to recover. It's going to be tough to pick uh, the fan base, especially off the mat, and move forward, especially with Georgia State, who's not bad, and then with Notre Dame coming to town. It makes it very, very, very difficult yeah. for Mac Brown. I think, you know, App has a really good quarterback. Now, he sucked at Duke, Chase Bryce, but he was awesome last year. I was looking at some numbers. Like, he's good. He's a six-year player. He was a high-recruited guy. This guy was a Clemson quarterback. They don't really take slouches the quarterback position, uh, struggled at Duke because it was the COVID year and he really didn't get much spring game stuff or anything there. Um, but I mean, he was uh, you know, incredible stats last year. Uh, he's a six-year guy. He's seen a lot of stuff. He's not going to be rattled. He's seen it all. I mean, he's seen it all. Uh, and so that's, I mean, the veteran quarterback is crucial. And the, the two almost 100,000-yard running backs, I, mean, I don't know too much about the personnel beyond that, but I think the defense is pretty good. They lost some wide receivers. Adam, jump in here. But this is a pretty good app team, new offensive coordinator. They've had five different coordinators in five years. But uh, the, the Chase Bryce aspect, that guy's not going to be rattled, and that kind of should concern UNC's defense. Adam? Chase Bryce, to, to add to your point, Ross, Chase Bryce in his sixth year, his first season of college football was 2017. Uh, do you know what was going on at UNC in 2017? Chaz Surratt and Nathan Elliott were playing quarterback when Chase Bryce was starting his career at Clemson. Um, and Ross makes another good point. He and I have talked about this. UNC, some of the older UNC defenders, like Geo Biggers, who we talked to today, you know, they got after Chase Bryce pretty dang good in Durham during the COVID year in 2020. Um, he had an awful afternoon that, that day at Wallace Wade Stadium, and it was completely empty because of COVID and Duke's restrictions on campus. Um, 
But, you know, in hearing from uh, the coaches at UNC and hearing from some of the older players, they think that, you know, the system that he is in now, Chase Bryce, uh, is conducive to him playing better. You know, the, a veteran offensive line, running backs who churn out 1,000 yards. He did, as Ross mentioned, uh, he threw for a school record last year in terms of passing yards. He, he yeah, broke yeah. Armani, rec- Armani Edwards' school record, and that he's no slouch either. Um, so it's just, I mean, you have the redshirt freshman Drake May, and you have the sixth years. I don't know how old Chase Bryce is, but the guy's got to be 24 years old, doesn't he? I mean, uh, this guy's been around the block. So just another wrinkle that I think is super interesting about this game. Let me ask you guys, what do you think we'll see differently in this game? Ross, you asked the question I'd mentioned. Um, how does the depth chart change? Who moves up? Who moves down? I mean, do we expect Rucker to get more snaps like we talked about? Do we expect, you know, uh, Boykins to continue to get a ton of snaps? What about on offense? Uh, does Gavin Blackwell get more catches? Um, if Josh Downs is out, who fills in? Ross, what do you, is there anything differently? Everybody talks about vanilla. Vanilla, vanilla against Florida A&M. What difference may we see Saturday against that? Yeah, I mean, I think you'll see a little bit shorter running back rotation. I do think you'll still see DJ Jones because of his ability to pass protect and kind of knows that has experience there. But you'll see more Amarion Hampton early, excuse me, early and often. Um, at, at wide receiver, I wouldn't expect too much changes. I, mean, I feel like Gavin Blackwell played a lot. I feel like probably see a little more Kobe Pace hour. But then I think defense – I would like to see the same kind of rotation at, at defensive line. Like they all can kind of split reps. Look at some numbers here. But Hasek played 28 snaps. Miles Murphy played 31. Rucker played 32. So that's roughly half the snaps when you think about each defensive lineman. Um, and then I think the, the question mark there is who plays at corner um, and who kind of steps in there. So, and, and who's healthy. So beyond the Amari Hampton, depth chart like issue. I, th- I don't know if there's going to be a whole, ma- whole lot of changes. I don't know if Adam has any thoughts on that. I think it's going to be fascinating to see where this whole thing at running back goes, because I think that as we saw Saturday night, and I think it's just obvious how talented Amorian Hampton and George Petaway are. I think there's no, I mean, you'd have to, there's no denying, you know, how t- talented he is. But as Ross mentioned, and as Max said Monday, one of the unsung heroes of the game Saturday night was DJ Jones' ability to pick up some maybe missed assignments uh, on the offensive line and to keep Drake May clean. You know, Drake didn't get sacked. Um, so, you know, I think that dynamic there with you have a veteran in DJ Jones uh, who, you know, has way more uh, sense of what to do in terms of pass protection. And then, Drake May told us, uh, as I'm sure everybody saw, sometimes he has to tell Marion Hampton which way the play is going. Um, but, I mean, you get that guy pointing in the right direction, he's going to make some things happen. So I think that's going to be just very – at App, in Atlanta, against Notre Dame, I just think it's going to be very interesting to see where that position goes for UNC with the talent that is so obvious there. And people have been hinting about it. I mean, you got a thunder and lightning combo there a little bit, you know, remix Thunder and Lightning uh, from the Michael Carter, Javante Williams days. Um, but also on the defensive line point that Ross made, you know, they made like hockey line changes. It started four guys, the first series, then four other guys came in the second series. You know, they were rolling through guys left and right. Um, so, that you know, that's not going to continue probably, but. Uh, yeah, I, are- I, think that's, I think that's great too, to keep everybody fresh and then put pressure on, on App State's offensive line because the talent differential is there. So if you, if you have the better talent and you keep them fresh, you should be able to 
to have a little bit of advantage on certain plays here and there. And yeah, you, I, there's nobody. App State has nobody. Uh, maybe not sure about this, but App State has nobody like Amar and Hampton or, or George Pedway. I mean, they have good running backs, but do they have someone? You know, a high four star, two high four stars back there. So I, you, you flex that talent and, and you see if they can keep up. Yeah, they're running backs. I mean, they they they've got some good guys. Or they yeah. did, weren't recruited that highly, but they are, are certainly a solid. I think this game hinges, and we'll talk more about it in the game plan podcast later in the week. This game hinges on Carolina's ability to stop the run. App State wants to run the ball. Carolina's supposed to be able to stop it. We'll see if that defensive line is as good as they have said they are going to be uh, this year. Uh, just for the record, Bryce, uh, C.J. Bryce, January 27th, 1998. He's 24 and a half. He would draw Social Security in a couple of years. All right, football talk is over. Adam, you mentioned – uh, the the basketball scrimmage, and you had an opportunity to go in there and check it out. Um, just real briefly, about 10 minutes or so, let's talk about this before we get out of here at 10 o'clock. What did you see on that basketball court um, that maybe was different, maybe was just more of the same, even in a scrimmage fun setting um, from guys like Armando and Caleb and RJ? Yeah, I saw RJ Davis and Caleb Love making plays. I mean, I just saw them out there balling. Uh there wasn't anything like remarkably different. It was good to see Pete Nance out there running around, uh, you know, fall away jumpers, little mid-range jumpers uh, fitting, fitting in. Seth Trimble looked bouncy. You know, I think he's going to be a guy that has a, has a nice year backing up Caleb and RJ. Um, DeMarco Dunn had a nice little, a nice little afternoon. I, I saw the first half and I saw about the f- first five minutes of the second half. And then I, I came out to join you on the radio um, so I know Caleb had a big second half, but Armando had 10 rebounds at halftime. Um, it was fun seeing them, you know, out there running around and, and everything. Uh, I will say that Justin McCoy got off the first three shots of the game and he missed all of them and he was scoreless at the half. Um, uh, not to hate on Justin McCoy. He did get on the board early in the second half. I believe he was 0 for 5 at one point by my, uh, stat keeping, per- by my stat keeping, but, um, R.J. Davis looked great in the first half. I think he had 17 points in the first half. I mean, just raining threes in, driving to the cup, making those incredibly difficult falling shots. Uh, he had some really sweet uh, passes on some pick and pops. Fun stuff. Totally fun stuff. Yeah, I encourage everyone, if you're curious, go watch our, our YouTube videos. We've been posting a ton of stuff, uh, all the footage from the basketball scrimmage. My takeaway, I was really impressed from what I saw from UNC on, on Saturday. To me, it looked like either the blue team or the white team would be a very good college basketball team because Caleb Love and RJ Davis, they were playing against each other. Both of them are elite college guards. They can create their own shot. They have great three-point shots. They were aggressive. Uh, It was a little bit funny because Caleb and and RJ, there were no coaches there really, so they pretty much could do whatever they wanted. So it's kind of like a fun hypothetical like Caleb, if you're not going to get taken out of the game, what shots would you take? So he was just firing from from long range, and he made a lot of them. Honestly. That was kind of like two years ago, wasn't it? Yeah, a little bit, but he, he was very emboldened on Saturday. Um, I was also very impressed with Pete Nance. I think after watching him just in those 20, 40 minutes of the scrimmage, I got a much better picture of what he's going to be. The, the press conference quotes from the summer weren't all that accurate. He's a very different player than Brady Manick. There's not a whole lot in common between them other than maybe their height. 
Brady Manic is a natural shooter. Pete Nance is he can he can shoot, but he had sort of a flat shot there in, in limited uh, times that we got to see him. He is going to fit well with this team though because he kind of fills a space uh, within the floor. He can kind of hang around the mid range and he can shoot some fadeaways. He's a kind of a crafty scorer there. He also held up pretty well on defense against Armando Baycott, who's going to be a preseason All-American. Uh, Pete Nance was thin, uh, but he sort of battled with him and protected the rim pretty well. So all in all, very impressed with what I saw from UNC. It's going to be a very fun season for North Carolina Tar Heel fans. Which yeah. reminds me, I did see Armando grab several rebounds and go coast to coast with it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Another one, no coaches. I think I made the comment to Ben Sherman. I'm like, I wonder what uh, Hubert's going to have to say if Armando pulls one of those in November or December with, you know, the board and um, pushed it the whole way. So, yeah, um, it was a scrimmage. It was a scrimmage when you saw Armando running uh, point center. Well, uh, the cool thing about the Bozlot show is Brandon Robinson and Garrison Brooks Sterling Manley came out and talked to us out there. And uh, they said – the one question I asked Garrison is uh, – could he still take Armando? And I'm not quite sure he answered that. Um, but anyway, Carolina basketball is here sooner than later. But Carolina football is rolling right now. Ross Martin mentioned the crowd. Got to give a shout out to the 250 plus or close to 300 people that have been in the YouTube live watching us. We got to get it up. Let's get it up five, 600 people. Carolina handles business this weekend. It'll get there. Adam Smith, Ross Martin. John Bowman, Blue Shirt Vodka, Johnny T-Shirt, like, review, rate, whatever you want to do, just get here. YouTube Live on Tuesdays at 9 a.m. Ross Martin with the with the prop. It is good stuff. I can testify to that. Johnny T-Shirt, I can testify that they're awesome. Inside Carolina, you know where it's at. Thanks, guys. Baseball has begun, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Samphill, every Monday through Saturday as we deliver all of your fantasy baseball needs in just five minutes. We'll break down the biggest performers, news, and prospects who could make an impact this season. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found.